Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see these things, he said, he asked. I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumours of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down to take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great distress, unequalled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equalled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles, to deceive even the elect if that were possible. See, I have told you ahead of time. So if anyone tells you, there he is out in the desert, do not go out. Or here he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call And they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away. 
but my words will never pass away. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill, one will be taken and the other left. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. This is uh, probably one of the most difficult passages in uh, the book of Matthew, I think, and maybe one of the most contested passages uh, in the book of Matthew. But it asks a question which I think most of us want to know the answer to. How will the world end? What will it look like? What will, how will we know that it's about to end? What are the signs that the world is about to end? Will we know? if Jesus is about to come back and the world is about to end. I wonder if you've ever asked those questions. I wonder if you've ever uh, laid awake in the middle of the night uh, during a thunderstorm and and wondered whether this this, uh, thunder strike was uh, the herald of Christ's return. What will be the sign of the coming of Jesus and of the end of the age? Well, that's the question that the disciples ask Jesus. Thank goodness for the disciples. They ask the question that we all want to know. Verse 3, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Now, at first, Jesus doesn't actually seem to answer their question. He begins by to answer their question by saying, watch out that no one deceives you. And then he goes on, I think, to say what kinds of things might deceive them into thinking that the end is coming when maybe it isn't. Watch out that no one deceives you. And then in verses 4 to 14, he goes on to give us, if you like, what are not the signs of the end of the age. So verse 4, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumours of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. False messiahs will come, people who say they're Jesus, a new Jesus, a different Jesus. There's a guy in Brisbane who says that he's Jesus come again and that uh, his partner is Mary Magdalene reincarnated or whatever you want to you call it well 2,000 years beforehand Jesus said that guy's a fraud Jesus said guys like that will come and you'll know that's rubbish Jesus says when he comes again you'll definitely know it verse 27 for as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west so will be the coming of the son of man wherever there is a carcass there the vultures will gather. 
can imagine it's a bit like a like a bad Monty Python sketch or something like that. You know, people go, uh, you know, the lightning strikes the ground in front of them, and they go, "Is that lightning?" No, I didn't see anything. Did you see anything? No, there was no lightning there. You know, or or there's all these vultures gathered around this carcass, and someone goes, "Oh, they must be eating the dead body." No, no, they're just sweeping the ground away. Don't be silly. Jesus says. When he comes, it will be so obvious that no one can miss it. It's like lightning striking. Or like vultures gathered around a carcass. Jesus uh, expands uh, on that a little bit later in verse 23. And he says, at that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, don't believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. See, I've told you ahead of time. Muhammad came along hundreds of years after Jesus and said that he was a prophet and Jesus was not the Christ. Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism came along saying that Jesus was the Messiah, but a Messiah different to the one in the Bible. There are people who reshape Jesus into a Jesus other than the real Jesus, the Jesus who wants you to be rich, the Jesus who wants you to be well, the Jesus who wants you to embrace whatever lifestyle it is. The Jesus who wants you to embrace your gay identity or your alternative gender identity. Look, there's Jesus, people say. He's over there. He looks like this. No, he's over there. He looks like this. People will point us to everyone, all kinds of Jesuses, but just not the real Jesus. And these people won't be powerless. Jesus says actually some of them will do miraculous signs and wonders. Now I know there are some Christians uh, here, even in our own city, who have become entranced by all reports, by ideas of things like spoons sticking to walls and gold dust falling from ceilings. Whatever you make of those things, I think they're deeply disturbing. Not because I don't believe in the miraculous, but because I do believe in the miraculous. And that Jesus says that all kinds of people will come doing all kinds of marvellous things, but it won't be about Jesus. The God of the Bible is not a God who does cheap tricks. The miracles that God does serve a purpose. Jesus healed the sick. And open the eyes of the blind. He, people got better. Jesus didn't do cheap tricks that were impressive but served no purpose. Also, God's miracles draw people to Christ, not away from Christ. So to be declared a saint in the Catholic Church, you have to do a number of verifiable miracles. And there are people from the Vatican who go out and uh, assess the evidence for the miracles and then uh, once they've 
Once they've got two authenticated miracles, then you can be declared a saint. Who knows whether those miracles are genuinely miraculous or not? They may be. It may be that someone prayed to Mary MacKillop for three years and their toe was healed. Who knows? But whether or not they're legitimate is largely irrelevant because what those things do is draw people away from Jesus to someone else. Mary MacKillop, John Paul II, whoever it might be. Jesus says people will come doing all kinds of miraculous things in order to draw us away from Jesus and to somebody else. False messiahs will come, but it still won't be the end. There will also be wars and rumours of wars. Verse 7, nations will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of birth pains. The Crusades, the Hundred Years' War, the War of the Roses, the Thirty Years' War, the French Revolution, the Napoleonic Wars, the American War of Independence, the American Civil War, the Boer War, the First World War, the Second World War, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, the Gulf War, the Gulf War Mark II, the War in Afghanistan, the War on Terror, just to name a few. There's hundreds. If you look at the lists of wars in the last century alone, War after war. And Jesus says, still it won't be the end. There'll be famines. Between 1958 and 1962, between 10 and 30 million people died as a result of famine in China during Mao's great leap forward. Between 1921 and 1922, around 9 million people died from famine in Soviet Russia. 1932 to 1934, around 7 million died as a result of famine in Ukraine. In northwest China in 1927, between 3 and 6 million people died. In 1943, around 5 million people died in China as a result of famine brought on by the war. And in 1979, between 1 and 2 million people died in Cambodia as a result of famine. There'll be famines, Jesus says, and still it won't be the end. There'll be earthquakes. 1556 in Shanxi, magnitude 8 earthquake, 830,000 people dead. 2010 in Haiti, magnitude 7 earthquake, 316,000 people dead. 1976 in Tangshan, magnitude 7.5, 242,000 people dead. 1138 AD, Aleppo, 230,000 people dead. 856 AD, Iran, 200,000 people dead. 893 AD, Iran, 150,000 people dead. All these things will happen, says Jesus, and still it's not the end. They're just the beginning of birth pains. Some women are in labour for a few hours, And some women seem to be in labour for what seems like days. I don't know if it goes on that long, but it seems to be a long time from the time they say they've gone into hospital until the time they say the baby's been born. But birth pains are not a baby. Just in case you weren't clear on that. (laughs) Birth pains are not a baby, and who knows how long they'll last. It could be a couple of hours. It could be longer than that. And that's what Jesus is saying. 
Birth pains are not the end. And who knows how long it will go on for. The world is groaning under the curse of humanity's sin, our sin against God. And all these things are symptoms of the end. But who knows when the end will come? It's just the beginning of birth pains. So when we see those things, Jesus says, don't panic. It's like John Howard, be alert but not alarmed. We should be alert to the end, but we shouldn't panic. These things don't help us to know when Jesus is going to come back, but they do help us to remember that he is coming back. And we can look at all these things and go, yep, that's exactly what Jesus said was going to happen. War, yep. Rumours of war, yep. False prophets, yep. Earthquakes and famines, absolutely. Don't panic, says Jesus. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. In fact, God's plan throughout this whole time is that the gospel should be proclaimed through the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Don't panic, the world's not out of control and God is working out his purposes for the good of those who love him. But not panicking doesn't necessarily mean that we should just grit our teeth and bear what comes our way. So if you like the first piece of advice that Jesus gives us is, not to be deceived and not to panic. Uh, But then in verse 15 to 21, Jesus gives us a glimpse of how bad these birth pains would be uh, and, and how bad they'd get during the fall of Jerusalem in 70 AD. So Jesus is talking around about 30 AD and about 40 years after that, Jerusalem would fall. And he says to his disciples in verse 15, so when you see Standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel. Let the reader understand, or not as the case may be. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down to take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath, for then there will be great distress unequaled from the beginning of the world until now and never to be equaled again. In Luke, that confusing phrase, the abomination that causes desolation, uh, Luke uses another phrase. He says, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, you will know its desolation is near. So what Jesus is talking about is the the sacking of Jerusalem that happened under the Roman Empire uh, in 70 AD. You see, this whole discussion started at the beginning of this chapter when Jesus prophesied the fall of Jerusalem. He he says to his disciples, look at Jerusalem, turn around, have a look at it. Not a single stone will be left standing one on top of the other. And the disciples ask in response to that question, when will this happen? Actually, they ask two questions, which they turn into one question. But it's actually two questions. Jesus says, Jerusalem would fall, and they say, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? The disciples expect both of them to happen together. 
So they expect the fall of Jerusalem to be the sign of Jesus' coming and of the end of the age. But Jesus is saying, no, that's not true. Actually, they're two different things. They're two different events. Uh, Jesus' argument is basically, wars and rumours of wars are not the signs that the end is about to come. So, when you see Rome at the gates of Jerusalem, get out of there. It's not the end. Do you see what he's saying? Disciples go, yep, when Jerusalem uh, begins to fall, that's the end. So you can imagine uh, the, uh, the, the Christian people, they might have been sitting in uh, Jerusalem and in their deck chair and the Roman armies uh, start gathering around the outskirts of Jerusalem. And, they, and the temptation might be to think to themselves, Jesus is about to return. So I'll just hang on in Jerusalem until, you know, just, just wait it out, however many days it's going to be, and at the other side, Jesus is going to come back. And Jesus is saying to them, do not think that. It is going to be really awful in Jerusalem at that time. Get out of there if you can. If you read Josephus' account of uh, the fall of Jerusalem, it was a horrid, horrid affair. The mountains around Jerusalem were basically stacked full of crucified, uh, crucified bodies, fly-blown bodies just thrown up in every spare space that they could find. Uh, the conditions within the city of Jerusalem were so appalling that people started eating the leather of their shoes. They didn't have anything else to eat. Uh, people stole food from their babies, according to uh, Josephus. One woman even cooked her own baby and, and ate half in one sitting and saved half for the next sitting. Jesus says the condition in Jerusalem in those days will be abominable. Do not think this is the end. Flee while you can. And I think Jesus' advice is good advice for us as well. It's easy for us to think that there's only one option. Don't panic and stay where you are. But Jesus actually says there's more than one option. Another option is don't panic but be sensible and get out of there. Imagine for a moment, who knows whether it might happen or not, but imagine for a moment that persecution in Tasmania returns to the kind of, uh, or Australia uh, returns to the kind of violent and unbearable persecution of Christians that's happened in the past. It might be tempting for us to think, well, the world's getting worse than it has been in the past. We know the end is near. We'll just stay here and put up with it. But maybe actually the wise thing to do is to say, No, it's time to go. Jesus is saying to his disciples, this is what it's going to be like in this age between his first coming and his second coming. Don't panic. But if you need to flee, flee. There'll be false messiahs, Wars, famines, earthquakes, there'll also be persecution. Verse 9, then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death and you'll be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other 
and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Christians will be put to death. They say more Christians have been martyred in the last century than in the entire history of the world before. Christians will be hated. Not a day goes by almost when the Sydney Morning Herald doesn't carry an article of outrage about something that some Christian has done. Like the other day when they handed out New Testaments in a public school or to public school children and they're outraged. Jesus says all those things will happen and it's still not the end. Just the beginnings of birth pains. Christians will turn away from following Jesus. We don't need much imagination for that one. We don't need historical examples because all we need to do is to think of all the family and friends that we've known over so many years, some of whom have turned away from the faith. You don't have to be old to know about examples like that. I still remember the man who left the faith when I was four, maybe not even four years old, who left our church. Some will turn away because of persecution. Others will leave out of indifference. Verse 12, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. People who were once Christians will begin to love sin more than Christ and their love for God will grow cold. But here's the encouragement, verse 13, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Everyone else might leave. But if you stand to the end, you'll be saved. False messiahs, wars, famines, earthquakes, persecution, Christians deserting the faith, those things are not signs of the end. But in the meantime, Jesus gives us three pieces of advice for waiting. Don't be deceived, don't panic, and keep going. So Jesus tells us what it will be like between his first coming and his second coming. It will be difficult, to say the least. But we still don't know what the sign will be of his coming. How can we know when that will be? The first part of Jesus' answer to that question, which is the last thing that we'll think about, uh, is in verse 32 to 34. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree, Jesus says. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Just like when a tree comes out in leaves, you know that uh, the summer is near. You know, you think of the springtime. The flowers start to, to blossom and, uh, and it's a beautiful time of the year. In the same way, when we see wars and rumours of wars and all these things that Jesus has talked about, we know that Jesus' return is near. Near in the sense there's nothing else to wait for. All these things, the wars, the earthquakes and the famines, uh, have already been taking place for 2,000 years. But they're just the beginning of birth pains. We know that the end has begun. Just like we know labour's begun when the, birth, when, the, when the contractions start. But who knows how long it's going to go on for? It's near in the sense the birth has started, but we don't know any more than that. The second part of Jesus' answer then is in verse 36. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, 
nor the Son, but only the Father. When will it happen? When will Jesus return? No one knows. Not even the Son knows. Not even Jesus knows. It's near. How near is it? Well, it's nearer today than yesterday. But beyond that, who knows? Like in the days of Noah, Jesus says, people will be eating and drinking and getting married right up until the last moment. People will just be getting on with the business of life. And then Jesus will come. The world will just go on as normal and suddenly Christ will appear and the world will be separated out into those who trusted Christ and those who didn't. Two will be working in a field, Jesus says. One will be gathered to Christ and the other left for judgment. Two will be working at the same flour mill, you know, in the same, in the same room. And one will be gathered to Christ and the other will be gathered for judgment. One moment they're together and the next moment they're separated for all eternity. It's a terrifying and horrific prospect, I think, for those who don't know where they stand with Jesus. And Jesus tells us that we should watch out, that we should be alert, be ready, and deal with God now. What, what good does it do to know the signs of Jesus coming? How does that help you? Except so that you can delay dealing with God until the last possible moment. But God doesn't want us to wait. He wants us to turn to him and deal with him now. You might be delaying surrendering your life to Jesus. And maybe you hope for just a few more years of an uncluttered life, not having to deal with God. Jesus says, watch out. You might be delaying dealing with God because there's a few intellectual issues that you would like to sort out beforehand. A few more questions that you'd like to get sorted. But Jesus says, don't wait. He says, watch out. Go to Jesus and ask him to help you work through the issues. You might be delaying dealing with God because you're young and life seems so long. Jesus says, watch out. You might be delaying, not because you sit down and you think to yourself, I think I'll wait to deal with God. But you're delaying just because life is so busy with all kinds of little bits and pieces that you never think to deal with God. I should sit down and work out who Jesus is. Oh, wait, I've got to go to the shops. I'll, I'll do it afterwards. I've got to make dinner. I'll do it tomorrow. And before you know it, you're 70 years old. And the minutiae of life has crowded out the God of heaven and earth. And suddenly Jesus returns. Jesus says, watch out. But you might have embraced Jesus and put your trust in him. 
And Jesus says to us as well, keep watch. Live today as though Jesus could return at any moment. Use every day to live for Jesus. It's always sobering, isn't it? It's always sobering when someone passes away and you think to yourself, what am I doing with my life? And you think, gosh, that's a waste of time, isn't it? Who knows when it's going to be? You know? If I die today and go to be with Christ, well, I think to myself, gosh, I really wish that I had been able to, you know, whatever, re-landscape the front, front yard. Keep watch this, Jesus. Who knows when it will be? Live today, every day as though Jesus could come back so that when he returns he can find us to be faithful servants. When will this happen? The disciples ask, and what will be the sign of your coming and at the end of the age? Who knows, says Jesus. It's near, it's nearer now than before, but don't panic and don't be deceived and keep going until the very end. Let's pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, thank you so much that uh, we see the truth of what Jesus said 2,000 years ago, that the world is as he said it would be. And thank you for the confidence that that gives us, that we can trust him and trust him even in the midst of very difficult circumstances. Lord, our world uh, seems daily to be rent by wars and famines and natural disasters and our lives seem rent by personal disasters as well. And Lord, we see all too often people coming in, wolves in sheep's clothing, uh, pretending to teach the truth of the gospel but leading people away into error. Jesus says all those things will happen and still it's not the end. And Lord, as we see those things happen, we pray that you would give us strength to hold fast to the gospel, to not be deceived, to not panic, but to trust in Jesus Christ and his words that will never pass away. Father, we pray that none of us uh, would be found at the return of Christ to... uh, be found wanting uh, to have failed to deal with Christ. But Lord, we pray that each of us would keep watch and deal with Christ today and every day until he returns or we go to be with him. Father, we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.